This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. True Detective Night Country Episode 3 is over, but here on Post Show Recaps, we're just getting started with a deep dive of Episode 3. My name is Grace, but of course, I'm not alone. I'm here with Jess Sterling. Jess, how you doing? So excited to be here. Uh, So excited to talk about this episode. Probably the creepiest episode, um, which isn't always my cup of tea, but I'm here for it when it comes to True Detective. Oh, you told me you were going to do your uh, Anders Lund impression the whole time. (laughs) I don't think anybody wants that. Evangeline. Oh, mother. Anders Lund is here. No, that's Sarah Carradine. Sarah Carradine is joining us. Sarah, how are you doing? Hi, everyone. I'm speaking to you today from the unceded lands of the Gadigal people of the Aora Nation. And it's a great pleasure to be here and talk and give you my Andish, which is actually how you say that first name. I know they call him Anders, but it's actually pronounced Andish. What what'd you get me with? What did you get with me one time when I... Uh, oh, Baz Lerman. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> It's just bad. You're like, it's just bad. Yeah, it's just yeah. bad because you yeah. were being very, oh, Buzz. Buzz. Oh, Buzz. Yeah, yeah. Buzz. Yeah. That's yes, what he asked yes, me to did. call him. Yeah. How dare you? I don't know what he's telling everybody else. No, Baz Um, All right. True Detective Night Country, episode yes. three. It was on our TV. We're halfway through the season. Um, I know. Doc- like, how are yeah. we halfway through? Uh, how? Because it's a short season. <laughs> <laughs> but I said this with Dr. Amanda. I think that the show continues to be so rich and, and deep and well-balanced, I think is the thing I keep saying. Um, so if you missed it, Dr. Amanda and I chatted about the recap of the episode right after the episode. We'll, those will drop and we'll be live for the finale on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash post show recaps. Make sure you subscribe to get all of our posts, uh, sorry, our post show recaps, true detective coverage, uh, post recaps.com slash true detective or just search for true detective in your podcast or feed of choice very delighted that my coworker today was like uh yeah so i was just searching for true detective podcast because i love the show and then i found you podcasting about it so what the heck uh so uh, laura if you're listening hello um so Hi, yeah, in addition to us here on the deep dive, then uh, Mike Bloom and Latonya Starks are doing the Versus pod. They're comparing season one of True Detective with season four of True Detective. Um, so make sure you're subscribed. I'm going to actually start with you, Sarah. You're the you're the guest here. And I want to know, as we are halfway through the show, what you've made of True Detective Night Country so far. Well, look, to be very broad, I love it. Love every minute about it. Uh, to be less broad, I can go into some details. It's interesting that the verses is between season one and season four. It feels to me very much, I mean, obviously we're not going to spoil anything about season one here, but they feel much more a matched pair or a mirror pair than two and three to me anyway. So I... I make a joke about how season four is women centric and you're calling it broad. And so we'll just, we'll just move uh, on. Yeah. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. We're just we're just three broads, uh, broadly speaking. Um, well, speaking that's of a broads, good podcast name. I don't know if that's a broadly speaking. speaking very, TM TM copyright it. Copyright it's yep, probably a podcast, speaking. but yeah. Uh, uh, so for me, speaking about broads, I mean it. 
it has to be said that Jodie Foster and Fiona Shaw and I are all pretty much the same age. So it's really nice to, nice, such a stupid word. It's incredible to see, like particularly Jodie Foster being unpleasant, having an unpleasant lead is just like, oh, thank you so much. And that it's almost all broads and actors that I'm being introduced to for the first time. Um, the Indigenous actors in particular that I don't know who are just um, a revelation, the starkness of the white invaders, the white colonisers in a land they don't understand, which is sort of what I think thematically it is. I, I mean, listening to all the theories that you have, I think they're, it's broadly speaking, either something woo-woo spiritual, otherworldly is happening, or we're fucking the earth. Well, it's actually we are fucking the earth, but in terms of what's actually happening to everybody. But there's also, to me, this idea of, you know, colonisation and belonging and not belonging. And then we get to this episode where even within culture there's belonging and not belonging when yeah. Navarro always asked for her name and she doesn't know it. Yeah. which just was like such a gut punch to me that she does not know her name and that, yeah, so we get both the birth scene where she is at first told to fuck off and then invited in and has and takes her hat off and finds her way in. Also we have that with Leah, the stepdaughter of so an Indigenous woman as a stepdaughter of a white woman who is either actively trying to keep her culture away from her, but then we really saw it again. There's a real turns in this episode. It felt like her culture was being kept from her by her white stepmother. And then we see that that white woman is trying to keep her safe because she knows what happens to Indigenous, Indigenous women and girls. So there's the layers are just so intricate and real. And there's also a feeling like, if you can't quite figure out what's going on, don't worry, just watch it. There's also that aspect to it where you can just watch it because it's so beautiful and terrifying and and elevated and extraordinary. Um, so, yeah, and my other theory about what's going on is it's just a very strange place. It's like, you know, it's a it's a place of oddness and we don't belong there we don't belong there and so of course strange things are going to happen to us of course we're going to hear our name being called on the wind um of course we're going to see things that aren't there feel a little hand that moment when Jodie Fo- in scene uh, episode one where Jodie Foster's in bed and the little the little brown yeah. hand just touches her shoulder and she doesn't do that <gasps> thing that we you know that that bad actors do she just wakes up from that dream and the hand just slips off her shoulder, which was very tender and touching. But also we see the little hand again, so there's some meaning there. Jess, before I fall off a cliff myself and freeze in a pond, um, episode three. I love it. I mean, obviously, like like you were saying, this episode is very haunting. I feel like we're we're really leaning into like the spiritual stuff in this episode in a way that I think so works for the show, specifically because I think the pacing through three episodes has been so on point. We are now at the halfway mark. And while we don't exactly have clear answers to to kind of anything at this point, we have leads and I don't feel I don't feel frustrated by the lack of answers. I feel like we're getting, we're leaning in the right direction. Like we're, we're getting little bits of information, right? We get like that information this week about like Hank, Hank knew some stuff and he did not say the stuff and that's bad. You know, we're getting little bits of information all the while really fleshing out these characters, which for me is always number one in a show, like let alone the vibes and the scenery and all of that stuff. It's, how three-dimensional do these characters feel? How lived in do they feel? How connected do I feel to them? And after this episode, oh my gosh, like I just feel so, so connected to mo- almost all of these characters, specifically Navarro. I love what we're getting from her and, and her background and her history. I love the conversation um, that we get with, with her and Kavik. Like I just thought it there was so much to glean from that conversation and her history and just how much 
of an outsider she is in her own community. You know, it's so fascinating. I'm so excited to dive into all of it. I, I went down a little bit of a Reddit rabbit hole, as I'm known to do if you listen to any of the Yellow Jackets deep dives. I love a tinfoil hat theory. And the best thing about this show is it's it's six episodes. And, like, we should have the answers to the questions that we're asking. I mean, not everything. You know, some, they might do a little bit of the let the mystery be. But we're getting – we're going to get those answers in, in six episodes. So I love it. I'm so excited to chat about this episode. Yeah, I think that that is, it's, you know, we love these mystery box shows and they are so tricky to pull off effectively because you want to feel like every week you're getting more information. They can start asking new questions, but you want to feel like you're, you're moving, you have forward momentum towards uh resolution in the, at least to the central thing of the show. In this one, I think that's probably what happens to the Arctic research, the researchers um, secondary. I think also like, I think that they're, that's intertwined with what happened with, with Annie, obviously because the tongue is, is at the research station. So how do you give more and more without giving all of it away? There was really interesting when we covered the after party, Jessica, Miller and Lord talked about like, actually, I feel like in a 10 episode season, most people maybe should actually be able to guess that by episode seven, like, oh, it's right. probably that person. Like that feels like the trajectory in terms of where you, you kind of want to people to be able to have guessed it. Maybe not everybody, but also if it's like out of nowhere in the last episode, mm, not really great. So we're almost there. I feel like by next episode, that's, you know, if my math is right, four or five um, and it's a condensed season. So it's a different, different pacing, but yeah, I just do think the things we got, I think to your point, it's not just these like, ooh, we found this clue and piece of information, like the stuff and the way I'm so excited for where this is going is the way in which the two things, which is like the mystery of what happened and then these people and the and getting to know these people, how are those two things eventually going to intertwine right. and tell a fascinating story? So where I want to start is the fact that I feel like one of the biggest things that we that happens this episode is Navarro's identity, specifically in not having an, an Inupiaq name. And um, I was listening to, on Dr. Mano's recommendation, the official HBO podcast, um, and I listened to the episode two podcast. I haven't listened to the episode three, but they were talking about the name Navarro in that she is Dominican. And this is kind of what you're saying, Sarah, this idea that within culture, there is belonging and not belonging. And so Navarro feeling isolated from the community that she is trying to protect, that she feels like she so desperately um she is a part of it um, and also feels like she's in some ways outside of it. That's the opening scene where she comes and she's not, you know, she has, she's not involved in what's happening until she is involved in it. Um, she does not have the Inupiaq name. And so when Oliver, you know, asks her, she doesn't have an answer, but she's stubborn and defiant. But um, just my, you know, your, your rabbit hole discovery leads us to believe that is, is Navarro not having an Inupiaq name um, potentially uh, a, a threat to pull on. Yeah, it's so fascinating. So I did see this post by Deb Wisco Gal, um, and she kind of had some, uh, I'm going to assume it's a she, but I should say they, uh, they had some interesting theories about this and how having this spiritual name, having this Inupiaq name is so important. Like you receive it during a name naming ceremony. It signifies the beginning of an earthwalk connected to the spiritual world. So that name is kind of, they, they call it a spiritual driver's license. It's a form of protection and identification. And to, to your and Sarah's point, when you introduce yourself to someone, th they want to know what your Inupiaq name is. And so her not having that removes her a bit from that culture in a way that, you know, we're seeing it through Leah as well. You know, she's removed from her culture. And I think it also is a little bit of a tricky situation for Navarro that she's a police officer. And, you know, uh, I, I don't know that that's going to, that causes conflict as well between her and her people. And so it's so fascinating that to me, like this is, this is the biggest thread to possibly pull on um, is Navarro's name, her not having this Inupiaq name that she should have, and how she's like very much removed from the culture of the people that she's trying to protect, right? Like yeah. Sarah, she's she's doing her best to to get 
to get an answer to the mystery of who can, killed Annie Kay. What happened? Can I also just say, Sarah, the other piece I want is that she is the one who is maybe most hearing. She's a she the the uh, will uh, or sorry, not will. And, uh, how do you say Lund? I'm just gonna say well, Lund. They, they, Lund they, look, they Lund call Rich. it. They all say Anders, so we you know we can Great. say Anders. But you can he actually. Speaks he speaks Undish. to her, right? Yeah. He speaks to her. So she is the one who is having this because yeah. she goes to Rose and Rose is talking about when she sort of this unlocked for her. Um, and so uh, interestingly, she feels disconnected, but in ways the show is telling us, well, maybe she's actually the, the in, in some ways, um, not more connected than anybody, but more connected than maybe Danvers or other people who are involved, right? Well, it's interesting that relationship with Rose because it's it's as if they both are straddling several worlds. Rose comfortably and Navarro has some discomfort. I mean, the physicality of this actor is incredible. And the 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 size and look difference between her and her sister, I think, is really fascinating. Her sort of large protectiveness of this tender, broken sister, I think, is fascinating. Um, and yet she can't give her what she was never given. I mean, this is this is this is the journey for for people who are taken from their culture. Is like, how do you then get it back? You know, as an adult, do you learn a language? As an adult, do you learn the stories? Whereas a child like Darwin, that's just getting it, you know, getting it with the mac and cheese, <laughs> is is very different. So there's a, like a lived. This is actually what I, I mean. I know we're talking about Navarro, but if I can take a little swerve, yeah. From the first moment of the first episode, all these people had lived there forever, knew each other, had backstories, like you could feel it just resonating off the screen. And the the creators didn't need to feed us information. I mean, was Leah Danvers' stepdaughter? And this episode, episode three, was the first time that, I mean, of course, we, we gleaned it and we were right, but she mm -hmm. says, oh, no, she's my stepmother. So the creators never felt like they had to give us all the answers. They felt very confident that we would sit with the information, and I happily did because I could tell these people knew each other. This episode we get that incident where Danvers and Navarro go to a murder-suicide. They find him dead, she says, whereas when we see the vision yeah. of it, he's very much alive. Yeah, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about know, Will yeah. Wheeler, yeah. Yes, but yeah. but my my I suppose my my broader point is that I believed all these people in their relationships from the first moment, and that led me to not mind if there were questions that weren't answered because it's like the questions and their answer isn't the whole point. It's the hook, but it's not the whole point. But yes, Navarro and her connection to culture, we've seen her slight physical unease, her, her her holding back, her watchfulness. And it's really this episode was like so revelatory of where that's come from and what happens when you when you take people's uh, culture away. Mm -hmm. So the other piece with Navarro, Jess, and, I, I you know, I the, the, it really stood out to me is this final scene where, where Lund wakes up and he sits up in his bed. But the way it's shot is um, Danvers is trying to get, information out of him who are you talking about yes you woke her up but who 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 and um uh amanda and i theorized whether or not there was a there was a name there I, i've rewatched it with the closed captioning i i can't i don't think he ever names a name she leaves because the hillbillies are fighting in the waiting room uh, classic uh, that's what happened <laughs> classic <laughs> problem yeah classic. And the camera yeah 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 the camera cuts and and blocks him out of frame mm -hmm. and what i find interesting about this specific thing that happens is that the horror movie, like the horror movie thing is to like, see the monster come up, you know, that's what it is. And like, life, we yeah. know that's happening and we get to see it. And we, it's not like they block him out the whole time. It's not like she's not looking. Do you, I mean, Amanda's theory is that this is now a, a, a Navarro hallucination. That's, um, the, that's what I love most about this is because of Navarro's genetic history, right? Like her mother suffering from something, her sister suffering from something. Obviously, any viewer is going to wonder, is Navarro having visions or is this 
real? And why is it Navarro that this is happening to versus a Danvers who does, you know, we get the moment with her son in the hand and all of that. Right. And that's mostly in my opinion, because Ennis is a weird place. Weird stuff happens in Uh, the dark, uh, you know, hundred percent. Jess, absolutely. It's a liminal space, as we would say. Exactly. And so it's where the seams of the fabric of society are coming apart. Yes. Uh, And so absolutely. The having it be Navarro and having Lund talk to Navarro, of course, you get the question of an unreliable narrator of did this actually happen? Um, And I I read another thing on Reddit, uh, also by Deb Wisco Gal, about pointing in this show, which I thought was so fascinating, Hmm. where we get the first thing we get is Travis, you know, pointing to the frozen scientist to Rose. And we can look at Rose as someone who has this kind of relationship with the with the dead, with the deceased, with the spiritual world. Right. And I think we would look at Navarro the same way. And so what Deb Wiskogal had said was both the pointing of Travis and Lund pointing towards Navarro imply a border crossing between the spirit world and this world. And I thought that was so fascinating. Like he's crossing from one world to the next. And I feel like Navarro is the hinge point in that, you know? She is the one who, why, why would the spirit world talk to Danvers? You know what I mean? Like, why? Yeah. Well, she wouldn't listen for a start. But, I mean, this is interesting to me with if it's a hallucination or mental imagination or creation. You know, here she's very connected to Rust with hallucinations, although his came from, uh, you know, da- chemical damage and hers is from question mark. So I like those little flashes of the references um, backwards and forwards but yeah because we we lose sight of Lund and then he sits up into frame and it's behind her not only are we being treated to the classic horror framing but we also and her face is so calm we also kind of are inside her as well in a very strange way I think there's a very visceral uh camera eye on these actors that 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 lets us almost be inside them and it's that idea of the hairs on the back of the head and unlike a horror film she doesn't turn and scream she just hears him and what he what he says she's awake and your mother your mother uh i won't say the rest of that line from the exorcist but yes And if it is him, if this is an innocent rating, and if it is him in his final throes, because he's about to cross through the veil himself, there's not a lot of him left. I mean, the only he's only got one hand left, so the pointing has to come from that hand. <laughs> it's not out of the question that people, I mean, I don't know if you've sat with people as they've died, they can say some very strange things true and it's just the brain is trying to sort things out so if there was this idea of we've woken her up from before it's not out of the question that that he still has that thought in his mind is he talking about Navarro's mother or if you're going to be no 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 woo woo we're going to be in the real world it might be something that he would say your mother is waiting for you his mother or our mother or yeah you know and it could be the because he also said the she's awake, right? Like the running, yes. the running thread of she's awake throughout the show as well. I know Grace. I he had says said that on the... he says that to Danvers, but then mm-hmm. so that's in like his like spewing. He's you know for, that's like from you know. And we saw that at the at the scientists like the yes. Salal. The, we yes. saw, mm-hmm. That has been something that is like very clear that everyone has seen that you know um, or heard it, but. The thing is, I said at the first podcast we did, I said, maybe it's Mother Nature. Maybe Mother Nature is the she and she's awake, right? A very, I thought it was very specific. They used a feminine pronoun, you know, she, her. Um, However, the longer this goes on, I also wonder if like, is he speaking about Navarro? And like in the uh, awake, um, I'm thinking the word awake being like an enlightened sort of awake. Oh Um, my God, Navarro is so woke. She's so (laughs) Exactly. Oh She's God. so woke right now. Um, so like, is right she, now. is she, is this, is this dormant part of her, this culture that she's been around, but kind of always on the outside looking in? Is there something with to do with that? You know, it just, it just pings in my brain because 
because we have Navarro who maybe can be looked at as an unreliable narrator in some in some ways but also you can't forget that she is a part of that culture but also not a part of that culture in many ways so there's there, I don't know there's something there my brain is always spinning after I watch these episodes because there's so is many she awake? to pull on she your brain is she yeah. my brain is always awake yeah. <laughs> i mean so the people the people who've said it right are raymond clark navarro has heard it uh anders lund has said it and i believe yeah. danvers hears it when she's and then she wakes up did so you say navarro who, with the polar bear right because that was when she heard it yeah she, navarro okay, sorry, heard, you said that like, yes yeah yeah just navarro being it's a person who is so yeah the one-eyed polar bear yeah these are the, the people and so i guess what i'm trying to is like is there a Raymond Clark is the, for me, the biggest, like, um, uh, where, like, I guess Navarro, Lund says it in front of Danvers, but with Navarro, and she, that clicks to her that, like, oh, my God, yeah, I've been hearing that. So I'm just trying to make a connection between, like, is there a way where you, because here's the here's the piece. I know, like, in episode one, we got, to, there was some feedback about, like, oh, I, I know that they're playing in the supernatural, but I want the answer to be not supernatural. I want it Realistic. to be, I want yeah. this show, the show is a, a crime and so the more that we go, it's fine that there are these supernatural elements, but what's, and so, you know, I think about this last scene where Navarro, I think has basically a hallucination is how I will interpret it for now. The piece is like, that doesn't need mean that I need to forever think that like Navarro, like Navarro doesn't can, can move away being like, that's true. That happened to me, whether or not, however it happened, it's a true mm -hmm. experience for her that it happened. Right. Um, but do we need an explanation for why Navarro might be having um, uh, hallucinations or spiritual awakening? This this idea, I go back to Rose saying, there are three reasons people come to see you. It's to uh, come, they, they miss you. Uh, they want to take you with them or they want to tell you something um, that you need to hear. And so I think about mm -hmm. that when, when Anders is passing over to the other side, he's delivering a message basically on behalf of her mother who's saying, this is a message you need to hear. Um, is her mother she's waiting for you to so she she's trying to take her with her i just does there need to be an explanation sarah for why navarro at the end of episode six does there have to have been like well it's very clear that this happened navarro was having hallucinations because of this thing or could she be somebody who that that as a white as i'm saying this as like a a, a settler like do i not understand that world and and if they choose to go a route that says she is spiritual in some way like rose says she is well that's what it i is. mean I, I, you know, famously anti-woo, but I love the creepiness. I love the supernatural elements. I do want the the answer to the set mysteries to be, to be uh, rooted in this world, shall we say? But you know, any of us who have heard our name being spoken in an empty room, as I have, uh, you know, there are these moments. I'm, I'm not. I don't have mental. I have mental health issues, but not hallucinatory <laughs> ones. But exactly. there are. There are, there are things that happen. There are moments where you go into a room and you go, something here. Now, to me, some people would say, oh, that's because you felt the energy. But to me, it's because you don't realise it, but a cup was upside down or, you know, there was something there that should have been there or the other way around. So we, you know, that's our vibrational field is actually us and our observations, but we don't bring them to the forefront of our minds and the the way that navarro is receiving the polar bear the voice the uh, crucifix she had to throw out the window very calmly i like it so much it's as if and when she bangs her head and goes somewhere and comes back it's just the owl the physical back of the head rather than oh my god where did i go what did i see and it feels very contained. So so I'm liking that. But yes, at the end of six episodes, if we don't know why, we don't know why. That's that to yeah. me is fine. So Jess, I want to ask. So the person that uh, Navarro I think sees in when when she she's running in the she's away from the is, hut. Is that the person that scuttled across the, the station? Uh I believe it's Holden. I think she thinks she sees. I think there's a that she. I, I've looked at it a couple times, and it seems like the kid is holding. A, so interestingly, here's here's what's interesting, uh, Jess. I think that she interestingly thinks she hallucinates, like or whatever, sees a person who then when she falls and hit her head, and now we're in like 
unreliable narrator territory. And the Yellow right. King is a story of someone falling off a horse. And now tell one of the stories is about now about a woman who's and the whole time she's she's an unreliable narrator. So the fact that this is now Navarro, but then in the dream, I feel like she also sees Holden. That's my interpretation is that she sees I could be wrong about who she's seeing in the ice, but I think certainly there's no doubt that it's Holden when she's in the desert, maybe a flashback direct. Certainly. Yeah. So do you, but the other piece, I was a bit confused about why would she see Holden? Why is why is she? And then Dr. Amanda says, so I'm, you know, are we to believe that potentially Danvers and Navarro have been have more of a close relationship yeah. than we were led to believe? And it blew my mind because I wasn't looking at it. And then I'm like, oh, my God. It's a Jodie Foster role. Like, okay. You like, could oh, read, yeah. oh, you yeah. could read, you could interpret a lot of the things that are said between them in many different ways. And certainly her saying like warning, uh, warning. Why am I, why am I blanking on his name? Is it Peter? Um, the, the younger, the younger oh, Peter yep. Pryor. Yeah. Peter, Peter Pryor. Pryor. I think it is Peter. Peter Pryor. Pryor. Uh, Pick the pack of no. pickled peppers. Peter, yeah. Peter, Peter from before. Peter before, before is yeah. really good. Sarah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, but you know, I she says the names, him, like the character oh. names are very carefully selected. I agree. Very carefully yeah. selected. Yeah. Sorry, Jay. Um, no, 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 you're good. But the the so her saying, like, oh, watch out for Mrs. Robinson, right? Like, yeah. is that from her own? I love that he didn't know that was brilliant. He didn't and that would made me feel old because he's supposed to be around 30. I know Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> Yeah, but he's yeah. from Alaska. He's from Alaska. Like, yeah. Whatever. I, That's I what actually, they want to do. When, when his father said Mrs. Robinson, I thought, I just flashed. I thought, he doesn't know who that is, and he didn't. And then I was delighted yeah. for being right. And I looked around my empty room to go, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. Mm. I said paradoxical undressing in the first episode, yeah, too, and yeah. again looked around to have a, a backpack. But, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. but, yeah, um, it's the, interesting the, to, to speculate on a on a romantic in, interaction between them because of the, like, oh, you, you on Tinder? Oh, you still screw and everything that can't run fast enough to get away from you, right? Like, and And we obviously, we also get – uh confirmation or not confirmation i should say but like danvers says like oh are you still having sex with kavik or did you go back yeah. to women yeah. and that's the first time we've heard anything about navarro's sexuality beyond seeing her with kavik yeah mm. I, I think it's interesting too in this what delighted me in this episode is we saw navarro's pettiness because she's been so high-minded and so right and so righteous and now she's being petty because we saw that the Danvers-Peter Pryor relationship of mentor-mentee, <clears throat> excuse me, ask the right questions, are you asking the right questions? And now Navarro comes in it's like, oh, that's the previous mentee. That's the previous person who she she's trained a, with the question. Evangeline Pryor. Yeah. And she's Evangeline Pryor. Pryor. Yeah. And she now is very petty towards Peter, calling yeah. him freshman and it's like, oh, yeah, I went through that training and now I see her for who she is, but you don't see her for who she is. And so there's this fantastic triangle between the three of them, which was giving me a lot of amusement. It lightened the mood somewhat and it was so real and, again, spoke about their prior relationship and what it had been to what it is mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And we see that also in the way that they just slide straight back into working together really, really well, even their movements as they stood in the circle of photos and turned their heads and turned their heads was slightly choreographed in, in the most wonderful way, indicating they have done this, they have worked together before. If they've had sex together before as well, that makes even more sense. Perhaps that's just my head canon. But it's this is what I'm talking about, about this lived history that's in people. And we see a different aspect of it here. Mm -hmm. I, I, as soon as Amanda said, it, I was like, oh, it's the reason why it's annoying is because I didn't see it. My like, my, my, that I didn't catch it before, but I think it's a really good point in episode two, the episode two podcast, Issa Lopez talks about what are the things that are keeping the two of them apart and what are the things that are pu pulling them together? And as soon as she's, I like, I listened to it after I talked to Amanda and I was like, oh man, Amanda's so right. I think, I think that they must have had some sort of intimate relationship that is clearly the basis for why it is so heated. And the other piece too, though, Jess, I think probably has to do with uh with with will wheeler um and the story she tells to, to yes. peter and that it was a murder suicide but in fact we see that it's not and also twist and shout is playing which is the song that she yeah. turns yeah he's off. whistling it he's yeah. creepily whistling twist yeah. and shout which i didn't know twist and shout Super would be creepy, creepy. uh yeah, yeah. but uh, you took the words out of my mouth i was gonna say if there's not a romantic entanglement uh history between them 
um, certainly keeping this Will Wheeler secret a secret. I mean, has to cause tension, right? We still don't know. We don't know who killed him. We know one of the two of them probably did, but we don't know which one. And I think there's, it could be either one of them really. Well, like, what's your, what's your bet? What's your bet? Cause Amanda and I did this where we went back and forth about like, it does feel like it will be Navarro, but then you could read it that like, yes. they're going to pull it. They don't show it in this episode. So you could see that it's actually Danvers who does it. So I'm just, I'm just interested in the t between the two of you, who you think actually killed Will. I, I think Navarro we've, we've had enough. Yeah. I mean, I talked about her calmness, but we've had enough uh, of her, you know, sparking off fireworks, righteous anger, the way she's held on to Annie, whereas Danvers is just constantly unpleasant. So she doesn't have, like, a build-up of pressure that's released. She just releases all along the way. You know, she she crop yeah. dusts. I think it's totally fair, Jen. I think that's a totally fair, that, like, it's just Navarro and then Danvers yeah. is like, well, I'll cover up for you, but you're absolutely not allowed to. But, you but need you're to, out. You need to, you're out. You got to go to the yeah. state troopers. Specifically, yeah, exactly. I think we see, we see a lot of the, the, the temper, I guess I would say, but righteous temper. I'm not saying, you know, she's wrong for being angry, um, but towards like Hank this episode, right? When she finds out he's been withholding information for all of this time and Danvers is the one who steps in and she's like, get back to work. And Navarro's like, are you kidding me just get back to work like it certainly feels like the show wants us to feel like it was navarro who killed wheeler i do think it's possible it was danvers and that she did it so that navarro didn't have to if that makes sense like maybe she sees navarro about to do it and danvers like no i got i'll i'll take it you know i'll i'll do this so i could easily see it being that i guess you know for fun's sake i'll say danvers because i think it would be interesting if it was her um but certainly like keeping that secret and now we know i mean at least in my opinion now we know why she hates the beatles because this man the creepiest whistle of twist and shout that ever did exist. And I wouldn't have even known it was this song if not for the close captioning, because it doesn't, mm -hmm. it's not like, he's like, shake it up, baby. Now. You know, he's like, <laughs> it's like the most eerie, creepy thing ever. I killed um, my wife. Yeah. My wife. Like, um, I thought it was uh, weird when he was like, Oh, hello. Oh yes. I'm yes. I'm here. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Pass the marijuana we're lingo. The, we're, we're the Beatles. Yes, that's weird. We're bigger than that's Jesus. a deleted scene. That's a deleted scene. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think certainly that's a you know an indication of uh of, of where their relationship has really fallen out. And I think you know Amanda pointed out that you know that where do you put the cans? Uh, it's it's such a level of intimacy that I, that honestly could just be from like it's a small community when you work with people. No, but that happens, is so but... specific. Like there's, yeah. you don't just go like, you have to have been in someone's house a lot to be like, I know, I know where the cans are. Like yes. to me, that top, is like. Top right shelf, right? Are you, are you, I don't know. I don't uh, know no, no, you're wrong, Grace. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but on top of that, I also think, you know, because we, we talked about Navarro seeing Holden's hand and we think it's, you know, Holden because the, the hand and the, the teddy bear, uh, teddy bear, polar bear okay. with one eye, all of that. Um, also the fact that Navarro is like having a vision of, of Danvers child feels important. Like I, that's what I, that's what I, that's the point I was bringing like up about connection. Yeah. The fact that she's potentially seeing, Holden. and uh, just to go back to this, do both of you think that that you, you actually thought maybe it's Raymond Clark she sees in the snow um sarah is that what you were is that what you were asking that's the same sorry sorry i apologize not that you think it's raymond clark that you thought it's the same person who's in the tassal station at the beginning that i believe is raymond clark so i've put okay. two and two together but um you wonder whether that's what the same person in to? the snow what did you get to when you put two and two together i Four? i so <laughs> you saying oh it's the same person in the station i yes. then was like oh raymond but that you might not it. have been saying that was raymond but i was saying no. it was raymond because I believe it's Raymond in the station in episode one. In the one. station. So, so is that clear? Clear as mud? No. It is. I just wanted. I was just checking your mental arithmetic. Yeah, I know. I think. I think I got uh, it. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I got it. I think you got it too. Uh, I think it's the same. Whoever it is, it's the entity that we all see out of the corner of our eye as yeah. we walk down a dark street, skittering through. So, it. Again, I don't mind if that's never explained or if that's mm -hmm. never a particular person because like hearing our voice spoken in an empty room, it's something that everybody has experienced and, you know, is used in great effect in, in, in horror films. But I, I like your idea, Grace, that these are, that they are perhaps different entities 
Does that mean they're both dead or one's dead and one's alive? Well, or Well, what's interesting, though, is like, like when she falls, so she sees someone, and when she's like going to chase after them, she then hits her head, and then well, they throw the ball back, right? An orange, oh, whoever orange. it is, throws the ball. Yeah. Oh, orange, sorry, which is yeah. in the opening credits. I noticed when I rewatched. Um, yes, it is in the opening credits. Yeah, along with the bathtub of blood, Jess, I think is the only thing we have not yet like seen or been. Alluded I can, I can wait on that. You know, I don't need to see a bathtub. <laughs> of blood I imagine it's in the hats we discover at the end of the episode. But yeah, I, yeah. what I so for my reading, I, when I look at the the person who's running, to me it seems like Holden. But again, I I want to just like the the choice could it be a that, creature. Could it be an animal? Uh. I think very clearly it's a human holding a, a polar bear teddy bear. So he, he but here, here's the, the, the piece that I'm getting to uh, similar to like, we see Anders Lund in the bed and then it like, it cuts him out of frame and then we move back into it. If, if this is right, that I think it's Holden who's running, she runs to him. Then she falls. Now she's hit her head and now she's having an hallucination about Holden. But I think that it potentially is the same, right? Do you get what I'm saying? That I feel like yeah, that it's not. And I, I think, I think the, the bigger th or not a big thing, but something to point out in that same scene is she throws the orange yeah, right. and then it ends up right back next to her. So someone touched the orange. Like I do think, I don't think her hitting her head had anything to do with why she sees Holden. I think she's going to see Holden I, no matter what. I actually think hitting her head is what is going to make other people say, well, you hit your head on the ice. And she's going to oh, say, well, but, but, but no. I but saw, is she telling sorry. anybody about this, though? Is she telling anybody? Because she hasn't told anybody well, about she says she has a headache or something. And they're like, well, what happens? She lets it, you know, she lets it slip. She lets her demeanor down, especially with Danvers if they have a, a relationship. I think the piece, so... Yeah, I just think because I, I I see that the sequence of that right. We, I think it's that she's like kind of seeing and hearing all these the same stuff, and and for her it's very consistent. But now what we're gonna I think where it will lead potentially is that people will now question her in the way that Rose says to about her sister. Don't confuse um, spirituality for for mental health concerns. Mm -hmm. um, let's just while we have time, I think to for the for the last little bit of this pod, which is. I think there's so much stuff here about like Raymond Clark and Navarro and who Danvers is and all of this stuff. But the central mystery again of the show is like what happened to the people on the ice. And so we do, yes. there's a few things that I just want to try to talk through and, and surmise. So um, last episode, we get the piece about like, um, uh, you know, why did they leave? And they're asking all these questions. And, and this episode, the veterinarian, uh, the cousin of Phil, another prior maybe who knows mm -hmm. um, comes in and, and says that these people didn't um, this is not what it looks like when you die from hypothermia. It's a very right. uh, actually calming death. So we get that information. We also know from last episode, there's a symbol on somebody's head. So all of these things, I do feel like this is where the show, I think very smartly having another thing to like put in the like murder mystery, you know, we're trying to figure out this thing was actually really mm -hmm. smart because they're only really giving us like maybe one piece of information about it, these people, like the missing men, cool which again cycle. was like kind of advertised. Yeah. It was advertised as kind of the main mystery of the show, but because there's this other thing that can give us a bunch more information each week. And that like sustains our, our for like, yes, we must know what's going on. Well, I think still leaving a lot of this stuff. And I still feel like I'm pretty in the dark Jess about, uh, and as they are in night country, but about what might have happened uh, to these people because I don't think we've gotten like we get a little bit we get like these right. like, souls each week right we get a connection to the caribou in the the very first scene right. of the whole of the sh whole show uh or season I should say um where it's you know they get they get scared off and that you know it is not a, pe a peaceful death is freezing to death these men do not look like that is what happened. You know, of course we have like the, there, did you think he scratched his own eyes out and right. you know, the weird folded up clothes nearby and this, the symbol on someone's head. It's, it's all very, it points to uh tampering point points to someone else is involved in this, uh, which is why it's so important to find Raymond Clark, right? Maybe he possibly has some answers. Um, But I, I truly think we're getting so much, of and this could just be um them involving the culture and involving like setting the scene the world building all of that but we're getting so much about how dangerous these mines are how the water is black 
babies are being born stillborn because of how black this water is danvers witnesses it right she goes to like this kind of ceremony they have for the for the baby and you know pay respects i guess and she goes to the bathroom and the water is black right when leah goes to the the um big meeting um if you will protest meeting the pro thank you protest they're handing out water water bottles that are filled with black water um there's so much and i i talked about this at, at nauseum on the yellow jackets podcast but the the effects of like mercury poisoning and how they lead to hallucinations and if you want the answers to all of these mysteries to be rooted in realism i feel like you got to look at like the poisoning aspect right the fact that the land they literally live on sarah is like poisoning their people and how that could impact or could it have been one of the people that's been impacted, right? Some of the Inupiaq people or someone who has ha- have black water or whatever, maybe they're poisoning the scientists, you know? I just feel like we can't forget that that is still a thing that is happening in this, in Ennis. And I love the, I love all of that. And the coring that the scientists were doing, you know, we see all the ice cores and that idea of, and and we have that in our, in our world now of like, well, if you, melt the ice in the Arctic, if you drive a core down, what are you going to find? The X-Files loved stuff like that, that you wake up, she wakes up, she might be a microbe, she might be a virus, or she might just be Earth's uh, balance that you are unbalancing. And the other thing about this, sorry, I'm going off on a slight tangent now of no. this. Um, uh, it's kind of the point. It's kind of the point of the podcast. It's yeah, really. is, uh is the idea of they've, the scientists have been out there at Sala, they've been doing all this work and none of it has any meaning because of the difficulty of stabilising these core samples that they have or whatever it is. We do have another scientist just completely dismissing the work that's there. And, again, that's a dichotomy we often see in films. Oh, those scientists are mad. They don't know what they're talking about when, in fact, they know exactly what's going on. Or, I haven't heard of that of a mad scientist. <laughs> a mad scientist that is, in fact, the one that has the truth. Yes. So have they disturbed something? The mine is obviously terrible, and yet it's the economy, stupid, right? So 50% of the town works at the mine. What do you do if the mine goes? You know, we have mines here in Australia that are doing untold damage and uh uh blowing up sacred sites and I've been the most terrible awful thing but it's like but it's so much money it's so much money so perhaps capitalism is the thing that's killing them all but yes seeing we've heard about the water and we finally see it both in the bottles and in the tap and the fact that Danvers actually has her hand under the tap as the water hits it and then it's almost like she doesn't know what to do with her hands because how do you wash the filth off your hands if there's no water clean water to wash it with yeah um i think the piece for me that i you know when we when we early on and we'll do this again today as well like uh we for, kind of forgot last week but i think we both would have just kept our answers or detective answers Correct. the same yes. but i think the piece for me is like i think if you know that the water's bad you don't you don't drink it so especially if you're the the scientist um i have the most trip so then i think like okay that's where that's where my guess of and Sarah. So we we try to lock in. So yeah. basically, in episode one, we locked in a theory. If we ever want to mm-hmm. change it, it's worth less points. Now less points that we're, yes. that we're changing it. That's that's yes, the idea. I love we'll it. Who, and we'll I see love who gamifying. You know, <laughs> yeah. Let's see who wins. Yes. Gamifying. Oh, Grace murder. on a podcast gamifying something. What? Never heard of it. Pretty weird. <laughs> um. So. My theory and I, I think you were very bold to say, well, I won't have the same theory as you. So that was very, wow. very it's more fun, right? You gotta, you gotta. <laughs> but I actually do think more and more that my theory that which is that I don't know that you could you would just say, like, well, they're all being poisoned because they're drinking the water. Well, if the water's black, I don't think I, and maybe that's a, a total misrepresentation of, of my knowledge of what happens to communities who don't have clean drinking water, because my assumption is that mm-hmm. you still don't drink or you figure you try or maybe yeah, you do try to figure out a way. And I'll look in. I guess I'll look into that because I feel like that's uh, it's a huge problem, it, especially it might on, be an economic um, thing. So, yeah. Drink, OK, so drink bottled water. So if you're the silent scientist, at Sala, 100% this is what I'm saying. Yeah. they're yeah. getting pallets of water delivered. Yes. But right. if yeah. you are a working 
working stiff uh, on minimum wage. And, you might and try to boil the water is, and try to see. You might try what to boil you the water because you can't. Yeah. You can't afford to be drinking bottled water. Yeah. And also the the water's touching your food. The water's touching your yeah. face. The water's yeah. falling down as as well. It's not raining. Falling down in the snow. The water's in the yeah. ice. It's not just yeah. the water that's yeah. coming out of the tap. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there might be a thing where you you pour the water in the glass and you put it aside to settle, and then you try and drink the the white the clear stuff off the top. I mean, it's just horrifying. So the piece here, I think, is like if if we take what happened to Raymond, which is he's the one who says she's awake, and mm -hmm. now we look at Navarro, who is the one who's also hearing this. What connections could we make between why these two people, and then generally, like what, ha what like what happened to people? But I I would more mm -hmm. so put my stock into what specifically happened to Raymond Clark rather than the rest of the men, because we see that the man who is making his sandwich. Actually, we see all of them, and they seem perfectly fine. At the, they're, they're just hanging out. Having, they're yeah. hanging out. So what are the hanging things out. that might be happening to Raymond that might also be happening to Navarro that might lead both of them to do something a la chase all the men out, put them out in the snow, make them take off their clothes, draw symbols on their forehead, leave them there, and they die. Um, and why, who does he think he's mm -hmm. awake? And Lund is saying that because Raymond was saying that, so et cetera, et cetera. So perhaps it is a good time to revisit our guesses. Um, Jess, your guess is that the water, right? I believe I'm going to check my episode one notes, but basically just that the water is contained, the water, like something is contaminating right. and poisoning them. My episode one guess is basically that um, somebody is active, was actively poisoning them. I think I might want to change it because I, I think more and more, I don't think it's all the men who are being poisoned because the other piece here is that, that says we are all dead on the whiteboard. Um, but perhaps I'll, I'll open it to you, Sarah, if you think you, what, what guess you would put as your, your, best guess theory that we could give you uh, at this point, four points, if you could. If four you, points, if you, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, thank you for welcoming me to the game. Yes, the vet says, as far as he knows, they, as far as he can tell, they died of heart attacks or heart failure and not That's right. being freezing. scared to death. I can't believe he didn't do being a little postmortem. He didn't even do a little postmortem. No, a little postmortem. Just, post just, like, just a little illegal postmortem, no. Uh I, I do I do like that because normally it's the person saying to the trying to corrupt the police yeah, 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 officer sure, into yeah. doing something yeah. illegal and she just she just floats it but no he says no thank you so if we are to believe that they were scared to death what I mean that's the question isn't it what 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 did that it made me think when we first saw the corpsicle which I have to say has now become really banal. Like it's fantastic. Yeah, just there. It's just there. there was the background a background of a lot of like, like, It's just there. Yeah. Just yeah. there. Yeah, the vet at least was like, this is weird, bro. You've been staring at this. I bet. I bet <laughs> that Arita smells awful. I just have to say. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and he has to, Peter Pryor has to kind of re remind himself of, of, of this horrible thing in front of them. We've mm -hmm. become used to it. And even when the nurse says, oh, Lund, he doesn't look, you know, he looks awful. Yeah. And then he was like, yeah, it's sort of awful. So it reminded me very much when I first saw the corpse call of this extraordinary phenomenon which happens. I don't know if you know about the herd of horses who galloped into the water and they froze instantly. It made me think of that. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some science, 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 science. But how bizarre it would be if you came along to a lake with frozen horses in very much so. horrified mm -hmm. fear so and it seems to me too so there's a couple of things going on it also seems to me this is not the case but someone can die and end up looking as if they were horrified so there's this whole thing about you can see in their faces that they were horrified were they or is this just the twisting of what happened to them uh how did he get them to take off their clothes and fold them neatly? I don't know. Ugh. Okay, so here's my theory. They were running out onto the ice as a fun spanky sex party and <laughs> they they had the same thing happen to them as happened to the horses in the lake where they just instantly froze and their bodies have been mm. contorted for that reason. That's why the clothes are folded. 
and the shoes. Why there are some clothes and shoes missing is that he has come along afterwards and taken some of them. That's my theory. He um, being Raymond points. Clark or he being he, mystery person? He being Raymond Clark. And okay. I will take my four points. Thank you. There you go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've watched the whole show and I can't believe you're so right. Sex I was party? Really... I would love. I would love it. Uh, yeah, a bit of an orgy moment. Love well, it. Well, it's not, not right, just an orgy, yeah. but it's like we're bored. Let's take our clothes off and run out into sure. the snow. I mean, you, you must have some I point often want say to do I'm that. bored. Let me just run out into the snow and take off yes. my clothes. I live in the yeah. suburbs, though, so might a lot of pointing, mm. but for different reasons, you know. Um, that one's crossing. She looks like she's crossing over to the other side. So <laughs> um, Jess, uh, you're, yeah, I have your guess here. It's basically environmental poisoning is what you yeah. thought was happening. So I will. I, yeah. I gosh, it's so tricky. But I feel like there's too much pointing to the fact that they were not alone when they died. I feel like the it's a very apt. Like we're asking the right questions of like why would this many grown men be nude out in the cold winter and like you know what i mean like why why is there a symbol on the one's forehead why is someone why did someone like scratch their own eyes out um and i i, I do think there has to be someone else involved in that as a result i think it could be that raymond lund maybe he has been Raymond poisoned. Lund, you're combining two characters. Sorry, Raymond um, Clark. <laughs> Raymond Clark uh -huh. has been somehow like mercury poisoned and takes them hostage, if you will, like forces them to do all of these things. Yeah. I don't think this many grown men are like, unless they're having a sex party, like Sarah said, and they're just having some fun romp in the snow. I don't think these men get naked out there and stay out there. I think they're if you're that terrified that you die from fear there has to be something very scary going on and i don't know if like again it, it still could be like mercury poisoning is causing them to hallucinate and run out there and then they end up dying of of being scared of some, maybe a vision something they're seeing but i do think like at this point i'm gonna to, to narrow it down i think i will say raymond clark forced the men outside and did something that scared them to death. I don't know. I don't know if I have to be more specific because I don't know what he did. No, that's fine. But I think I think he's involved, and I think it's his relationship with Annie and her obviously her being in Upiak and all of those connections for him to something sparks in his brain about the fact that how bad the mining is and and on and on and on. And he is now on her side, right? Um, I don't I don't think he yeah. So it. that we that haven't even talked about her video. We haven't talked oh, about the video. The video. There's so yeah, much. So, so the video was terrifying. Yeah, the video <laughs> yeah. that she finds the hatch and she says, "If I, if I, you know, if someone finds this, and then she screams and she's dead." Ah! Uh, very horror movie-ish. I'm yes. so there, Jess, and I wish she didn't say because oh, that's what I would have guessed. But, Sorry, but the piece of it that I think um, I, that is the big piece is like, okay, that's fine if Raymond does it, but what about Raymond and Annie and who? And, and what happened to Annie. So I'm, I'm with you because I, I do think you have to, the, I mean, they tell us here, here's where I'm also, I think it's coming. And I would, I, I want to, this is another thing I want to make sure I do some research into, which is I thought for sure Raymond had just killed Annie. And, and almost in the first episode, I was like, ah, let's like not even guess who killed Annie because the thing will be like, he did it. And somehow it got covered up. I think that that's probably not true now based on that. We see there's these photos of them where they're happy together. One thing I want to acknowledge is that there being photos of them being happy together does not mean he still was abusive and that he might've murdered her um, because right. people who are abused and murdered um, are often th that has happened to them by the people who claim to love them most. And even people that they love who then do that to, to, to women. So that doesn't mean that I'm like taking Raymond off the board, but I think if I want to like live in the, in the show where the show like reveals this information, that like they're happy together to some degree. I want to, I think for now live in the world where like, I could definitely see them being like, Oh, but actually Raymond was in a cult and he got upset. And when she was opposed to that, um, whatever. But I do think probably um, that most likely scenario, he has been basically plotting his revenge on what happened that, that it's someone else from the research station um, was involved in killing Annie. Therefore, Raymond, and I think she's she's awake could also be a Annie. 
right? Jenny. Couldn't yes. that also be Annie? Certainly. Nice. Because Certainly, yeah. if it's like, yeah, I've like revived, I've brought her back. Is the is the circle cult stuff? Yeah, is the cult stuff about trying to for him to see her, right? Um, so I know that this is very similar, but I guess what I'm going to say is that like in terms of, I guess these are very similar, but specifically, I think Raymond gets brought into cult stuff. Um, okay. With the symbol, because he thinks he can, it's going to get him closer to Annie, right? Is like the yes, piece. I and I, I do think, yep. Yep. I do think the idea of like a sacri- like a human sacrifice, that's a very predominant theme in season one. That's where the symbol is. She was seeing it in her brain. We haven't talked about that either. That she was dreaming the symbol, and then when she got the tattoo, it went away. Um, she mm-hmm. was investigating them. She she finds the hatch. Uh, this is like bad stuff. Someone from the mine is like got to make sure nobody else finds out that we have a secret hatch where there's all the stuff, bad stuff that the mine does on the Saul research station. Essentially they kill. And he's now like, basically I'm just going to hang out here until I can get my revenge. And I will sacrifice one of them to basically in the same way that Rose can see Travis, the way Julia can see um, her mother. He wants to see Annie. So I know that's basically the same as saying Raymond (laughs) kills him, but I, uh, but yeah. yeah, it just makes me think also that there is we've all decided, including the, the the characters in the in the story, that the men died on the ice. Undressed, right. ran out, died on the ice. But there is right. a version where he because you think of if there's you know five or six of them against one, that's sort of hard to imagine. But it's not out of the question that he killed them somehow with some heart attack inducing okay. drug this is one very by helpful. one yeah one Let's by say one he doesn't kill them the in the station, ice yeah okay great undresses them drags them out drags them out drags them mm-hmm. out, makes the corpsicle uh and it is the the act of freezing that contorts them into these horrifying um hmm. horrifying poses interesting because we've had no yeah it's yeah. fascinating we've We've had no forensics on it. We've had no forensics. Yeah. The first thing yeah. is the vet, the private. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So I get, I'll just say, like, I, I don't think, I think he is like, I think the difference maybe between our, is that you think he's, he was poisoned, right, Jess? Like you think he, like he, the, the environmental, or, or you didn't say that. You didn't say that. I don't remember if I said no, that. <laughs> I, I think, think ha- I think there's, I think there's something going on with Raymond Clark in terms of, mental illness poisoning something that sends his mind spinning if that makes sense i think uh, we will find that even if he's a deeply unwell man he knows pretty much exactly what he's doing because he's trying to do it to get in so that's right yeah, that's get... right i'm trying to make our, our guesses as different as i possibly can that's fair let's do it <laughs> let's, he, that's, uh, he, see, that's the difference he knows so. enough to ha- he knows enough to not be found yeah that's right yeah, yeah. that's true it's true okay um, yeah so yeah um Jess, we're going to get to talk more about uh, uh, the episodes as we keep going. As I said, Dr. Man and I will be there for the recap. You and I doing a deep dive each week and then uh, Mike and Latanya doing verses. But Sarah, I'll give you any final thoughts about episode three. Yes, I think one, I think thematically what we've discussed is really interesting. And when we go back to the station, because it's really easy to move away from the station and the corpsicle becoming kind of banal and accepted as we go down these other uh, roots and stories and relationships. But if you take it back to the station again, episode three also turns our idea of the station because, or episode two, episode three, because, uh, no, episode three, because we hear the official story of the station is they all kept to themselves. No one ever saw them. Uh, the delivery man comes, that's it. And now we find that people are going and giving them haircuts. People are going and having sex, you know, women are going and having sex with them. So having affairs, however. It, it Oliver is. left Oliver left the station. We heard that they never trade, but, but he leaves and he goes yeah. and lives in an isolated yes, community. They hold many secrets. That's all. So yeah. it's porous. It's this idea that the official word and the police idea and the, the, the uh, white, concrete thinking idea of this station is it's a hermetically sealed place but it seeps it seeps in it seeps out so I I think that's very interesting as well kind of emblematically here in this uh, in this story which I'm absolutely loving and I and 
you know, as soon as you start talking about it, there are five other things you didn't say. But uh, I know yeah. it's why that we didn't talk about the thing that this episode ends on. We didn't talk about yeah. really about Oliver. You know, there's this ep- not the, about the, Hank and like his so involvement. Rich. Yeah, Hank about the, fa- the, the ice fishing. Hank and his hillbillies. Yeah. Yeah. Hank yeah. sucks. Yes. In case that needed to be Hank said, it didn't really because we all know he sucks, but he sucks so hard. And he hit his kid, and then the kids obviously said, Oh, I fell on the ice. And I loved Amber saying, She, she knows. Very interesting yeah. that an expert ice skater fell on the ice, you know. Yeah. Uh, Jess, yeah. final thoughts on the episode? I loved it. Uh, I, I have my eye on Hank, not in terms of involvement, but certainly yeah. like protecting somebody or like the white people of the town right it could be as general as that um but yeah i'm i'm so excited to see the next episode i'm loving this season i I think the the fact that it is like night country right the fact that it is dark all the time it lends itself to being spooky i just think everything is working so well together between the casting and the the character stories that we're getting and the setting and and everything even the um i forgot to mention this but the the like i don't don't know what they call it on the in the subtitles because i remember seeing it but it was like voice uh like uh mouth singing what is it called they were like making these like it's throat singing singing. thank you Perfect. Like, I just feel like everything sets the scene so well on the show. So I'm really, really enjoying it. Yeah. All right. Well, Sarah, thanks so much for joining us this week. Thank uh, you for asking me. You were you you detectiving. You were detectiving truly. I have to say. I am truly detectiving. Yes. Yeah. Uh, every week on RHAP, I have crime scene yeah. with Murray Fourth, and we will talk about true crime, uh, which is. As strange and brutal as the stories that we see here in fictional crime. I'm sure, I think uh, Issa Lewis has talked about all the stuff that kind of inspired the thing, and people are sending stuff about like, oh, I think it's based on this, it's based on this, like, there's so much out there, so, yeah. Yes, um, yes. Jess, what about you? What else you got going on? I'm chatting with you on full spoiler recaps. We just covered Griselda, which was really good. You should, you should check it out. It's, it's yeah. really, really good. Yeah. Um, and we're covering Scavenger's Reign next week. So that's exciting. And then, of course, over on Shit 90 Shows Taught Me, we are covering Buffy and Felicity. Both are just like mwah, 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 everything I wanted. Wow. Just when you need a little bit of like a silly teen drama, it's everything. It's, they're both so good. Um, so check out that. And, uh, yeah, you can find me at the Jess Sterling. Uh, Aaron and I are taking a week off from Post Recaps Theater. There are like no new movies out. Uh, so just taking a little break. We'll be back uh, next week, I think, with uh, there's a movie that's coming out this week that uh, is very interesting that I can't remember. So, you know, you'll find out later. Um, and it's a oh, mystery. our guy. It's, it's our mystery. guy. It actually is a mystery. It's a mis- It's another mystery, uh, oh thing, which is our guy, which I learned today is uh, over two and a half hours. So uh, just, just keep Ariel and I in your thoughts Oof. and prayers uh, for that. But uh, yeah, I'm on social media at High Grace, and we will be back next week uh, uh, with another deep dive and a whole week's coverage of True Detective as we've got about episode four. So until next time, bye-bye. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.